This edition of How To Be A CEO is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharmadine Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. ES Audio. Charlie Mullins, he's one of Britain's best known and most successful businessmen. He founded Pimlico Plumbers in 1979, turned it into a £50 million a year trade empire, then sold it last year for £140 million. You know, it's a lot of money. I remember my lawyer ringing me up one morning and and said, you know, the money's in your account, kind of thing. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I mean... It takes a lot of sort of believing and then, you know, you start thinking, oh, you know, bloody hell, I wasn't expecting this. So what do you do after that? I mean, I'd take a really long holiday, but someone who leaves school at 15 and starts their own business in an estate agent's basement isn't really the vacationing type. It's something that's still in me that I can do. Obviously, I don't want to be working all day and every day and I want to enjoy what I've got, but um, we didn't realise how right we had it until we come away from it. I'm David Marsland from the Evening Standard. Charlie will be appearing at our SME Expo, which is being held at the XL London on April 25th and 26th. He's doing an Ask Me Anything session. But when we meet him at the Evening Standard's offices, I want to ask him, having done all that and worked so much, isn't it time to relax? Yeah, no, it's, it's far from it. I mean, I actually plan at the moment to open up another London service company, a family-run one. Um, I have a, a three-year clause that we... we not to open up until that three years, 18 months into it, and uh, we're certainly planning it. We've just taken over 10,000 square foot building in Lambeth and, um, you know, going to plan it so it's going to be a, a really dynamic company and uh, get back to running a, a big family business. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much you can go into about what that company is because obviously it's it's not even launched yet. But thinking about that three-year clause where you couldn't start something, was that frustrating? I mean, when you sold the company, did you think, oh, it's going to be fine, I'm not going to do this again? How, how soon after you, well, you put well, to it? to be perfectly honest, at the time, when, when we completed the sale in um, uh, October 2021, I had no intention of ever opening again. You know, I've got enough money to, you know, live a wonderful life and, and so has my family. But, you know, I, I've noticed that, the London is missing this lovely family-run business that we used to have. And, you know, it's 41 years of my life and many members of my family was involved with it. And, you know, they've said to me that, you know, that, that they really fancy because, you know, picked up a lot of knowledge in all them years uh, of it. And, and I, I would hate it to go a waste. And, um, you know, I'm certainly not doing it for the money, but certainly, you know, I have, you know, quite a few uh, grandchildren and four children and, uh, and their families and, I feel that um, I've got quite a lot to offer again. You know, when you start a business from literally back of a van and then sell it for in excess of 140 mil, yeah. um, you know, you learn a lot. And certainly we had it right, that was for sure. And and I just feel that um, it was a very much a family business. And, and as much as I think it was my best decision in, in business, it was also my worst decision selling it. 
I would have loved to have handed it down and, and, and the family members still to run it. So I feel like I've let down customers. I've let down a lot of staff and, you know, I'm getting a lot of um, sort of attention now from people saying, you know, we really could do with this family business kind of thing out there again. Yeah. Did you originally plan for it to become kind of, you know, a, a Pimlico and son? As, as you know, old traditional London businesses would have done. Yeah, that was the original plan that you pass it down to your children. But, you know, they've been there many years. And, and um, I felt that we'd, we maybe we needed a break and, and look at fresh ideas. If I'm being honest, I felt maybe I'm holding the company back and it needs fresh blood. And, you know, this American outfit that came in, neighbourly, they seem to have all the right credentials. And, you know, I don't know exactly how well or bad they're doing, but all I do know is that they run it as, as Americans run their companies, you know, not like, like like we was running the family business, and um, I've got so many like great ideas to to go again on it. That we was going to make many changes anyhow, but I, I feel that you know the time's right to start planning to come again. Yeah, that's interesting you say that. So I guess can companies become too big that they're kind of not connected to their customers anymore? And how big would your new company get? How big will the new company get? Yeah, how big would you go? Right, this is big enough. Um, Could, you know, did Pimlico get yeah, too big? I don't think we go as big as uh, the old company because I think we're going to concentrate very much on on a few boroughs around, you know, Chelsea, uh, sort of Kensington, South Kent, Fulham, uh, Pimlico, you, you know, them yeah. areas where we were spreading out more and more last time and, and I feel getting from A to B is just a nightmare now. And I think keep it a lot more confined and probably – even a higher quality service, you know. I mean, there's millions of service companies out there, but there's not many companies that offer a top quality service. And I think that's the market we would go for. Yeah, in those early days, I mean, obviously, once you're you're, you're the boss of a massive multi-million company, you're probably not going to be meeting many customers. But in those early days, how important was that customer relationship? When you yourself were headed out there in your second-hand van with your old tools? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, uh, uh, rightly so. You know, when, when I set Pimlico up, I was doing some of the plumbing myself. And, you know, to the day I left some, we still had quite a few of them customers, you know, that I'd set up myself. I mean, most of them are dead, but there's still <laughs> a few out there. Yeah. Um, I thought you said you were about to tell me you were still doing a bit of plumbing. Every no, no. Um, no. But you be, kept customers throughout yeah, yeah, throughout. Time, yeah. And, and look, look, you know, I'll give any advice, you know, if anybody wants to listen to advice, what I can give. One thing with a business is to retain your customers. And if you can retain your customers, that gets you through recessions, gets you through tough times, and it keeps you busy. Yeah. So anyone starting a business or got a business, undoubtedly one of, the, one of the keys of it is retaining your customers. And in the end, we was doing two, two and a half thousand jobs a week, and 80% of them customers have used us before, and that's a remarkable amount. And, you know, that that's what made us the company we were, by keeping the customer base going. Yeah. Of those kind of original customers, I'm really interested by this. I mean, did they get, like, special deals? You know, you've been with us for, for however long it was. Did you? Uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah we'll, well, we'll keep you sweet on this one. I, I think the, well, they, they certainly got... Uh, you know, what I would say is that if you're a regular customer, but you've got to remember, 80% were anyhow. Yeah. So yeah. we'd make sure that, that you know, we'd done the best we could do, which we yeah. would for any customer. And that's all about turning up and getting the job done. Um, but, of course, there was a little bit of queue jumping, you know, if there's an old customer coming on, so I've been using you for 40 years. Yeah. Of course, we'd jump her up the front. But often it was done according to 
an emergency or if they've got children or if they're old people. Yeah, we, look, we had it off to a tee. We had enough people on the road and we could get to any job within an hour and often within 10 minutes. So, you know, I must be honest, uh, I didn't realise how, how well we did have it fixed fixed up yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, you know, and, and we was going forward and we was a growing company. And I, I just felt at the time that do I want to spend another five years and start going national or maybe international or is the time to to sort of let someone else have a go? And um, that's the decision I made at the time. And, and of course, the money's handy. Yeah. I mean, that's for sure. Oh, you know? yeah. But, you know, I think I let a lot of the staff down because, you know, a lot of the staff may not be with that company now. And, and they've already made approaches to my family that, you know, they, they would like, love to come back to a family business. And, you know, not knocking air it's being run, but... There's nothing like running a family business. That's it, basically. There's a there's a different relationship between the boss of the head of a family business and the yeah. board of, boss of the head of a corporation, really, yeah. isn't there? And that's kind of what makes the difference. Did you realize that as you were making the sale? Did you think, oh, I wonder how this is going to be? Or were you kind of surprised at the difference or, or the reaction of the staff? I think I've been a bit surprised. I mean, uh, they made many changes there. They bought a, a wonderful brand and... Um, what I hear, they've made many changes and uh, allegedly not necessarily for the better. And they've just come away from this personal family business. And I, I just thought that would carry on. But, it, you know, when you, yeah. when you sell to um, capital investors and that, um, I would say it's all about bottom line rather than anything else. And so I, I ain't knocking that at all. I just feel it's a wonderful brand. But I know that we could build up a, a wonderful brand again. It's all about quality of service, whatever product you're doing, whether you're selling shirts or fixing boilers or dealing with the public on the phone, it's all about quality of service and people will always pay the quality. Yeah, it's a, it's the graft, isn't it? There's, yeah. no, there's no other way to do it. You've got to put the hard work in. Of course, Is yeah. that what you would have told young Charlie? So yeah. if you had that kind of weird time warp thing where you now can go right back to the very beginning of Pimlico Plumbers and there's yeah. young Charlie sitting there go... Yeah. What's the advice you give well, to them? Well, under that, you know, when you start a business and running it, you know, there's there's plenty of uh, sleepless nights. There's plenty mm -hmm. of uh, where we're going to get the money, where we're going to pay the bills from. There's many ups and downs, and I think you, you've got to go through them to get to success. But believe me, when you do get there, there's nothing like it. And we was turning over 50 mil, 450 people on board, 270-odd vans on the road, most recognisable plumbing company in the world, and making good profits. And we had, I think, 1,500 apprentices went through our books over the years, and that was a great, you know, a great sort of value to me because, you know, that's how I started. And I want to, you know, be able to offer apprentices that type of position again because apprentices have gone back over the years because government are not concentrating on it. And, and I feel um, it's something that's still in me that, I can do. Obviously, I don't want to be working all day and every day, and I want to enjoy what I've got. But um, many members of the family had been there many years, and uh, it, it, we, we didn't realise how right we had it until we come away from it. Yeah, it helps to get a bit of perspective to step back That's and exactly then look it, at, what, yeah. at what you've done. I want to talk about apprentices because I'm really kind of interested in, in how that can work. Thinking back again to little Charlie, let's call him little Charlie. Is there one thing you would go, right, this is going to happen, don't do that? <laughs> was it like a big mistake? Well, early on? Yeah, right right there, right there, right there, right, right, right Charlie, this, this thing's going to happen, you're going to do this, and just don't. Oh, I mean, 
you know, so many ups and downs in businesses. And uh, I think the biggest mistake we made over the years was um, where we used to give many customers accounts and credit. And that was the thing that nearly sent us bust. So in the early, late 80s, early 90s, we had no cash flow. We had overdrafts. We had loans from the bank. And uh, we had quite a lot of customers owed us lots of money. Then the recession came and things were very, very difficult. We, we went in to see two liquidators. First one said, you've got no money, wrap it up. Second one said, you're going to lose your house, you're going to lose your business, you might as well fight for it. So we decided to fight for it. But we immediately changed their policy to um, payment on completion. That was the point that, you know, got us through it. And you find that many businesses that go bust, it's because somebody owes them money. You know, it's not necessarily they're doing anything wrong, but they can't get the money in. And, if you, and you know, cash flow is the most important thing. And, and, and the other mistake I made, you know, it's quite adventurous. So I, I, I bought a building that was going to turn into our head office uh, in Lambeth. And um, I bought it, well, I thought it was at the right time, but evidently there was a recession just around the corner. And the bank lent us loads of dos for it. And then they weren't happy with the equity of it. And they wanted to call the loan in. So... The other mistake I made was, you know, um, don't trust banks, basically. I mean, they're crooks in suits. Um, you know, they, they lend you an umbrella as long as it's not raining. <laughs> to the ads, for more info on the SME Expo and to register for free tickets, head along to smexpo.co.uk. Other people speaking will be Harriet Hastings from Biscuiteers and Levi Roots, who's on an upcoming edition of this very show. Pop over to smexpo.co.uk. Do it while the ads are on. 
earn while you learn, skills pay the bills. There's, you know, 300,000 houses to be built every year now for a number of years. And uh, people with degrees don't build houses kind of thing. You know, there's not a demand so much now for uh, certainly in banking and finance and and people needing degrees. I mean, I think you're going to find lots of universities are going to go out of business because the it's just not, you know, I'm not going to say it's not worth it for all and anybody, but even in media, you know, you don't need a degree now. And I think more and more businesses are taking people on, on, on you know, what they can bring to the table. And that's how we used to take them on. I mean, if you came to, and took a job for Pimlico, if you had a degree, you got less chance of getting a job with us. Really? Yeah, really, yeah. Uh, in respect to what department in, because they've had no, often no work experience and, you know, there's no substitute for experience. And, um, you know, there's many companies now when students leave university and, and they're trying to get a filling in job, students are not putting down they've got a degree because they won't get the job because yeah. companies won't take you on because they know you're only going to be there six months, eight months. And, uh, you know, so people are hiding up the fact they've got a degree. If you're hiding up something, it can't be exactly, you know, what you set out to do. And I think the figures are 47% students that leave don't don't get the job that they required. Um, it may come along later, but... And then I think the earning power has changed now. I mean, any tradesman will earn as much as anyone in the city. Yeah. For sure on that. You has know. that changed in your kind of lifetime within that career, that tradesmen are earning such a large amount of money now? Yeah, I mean, undoubtedly. I mean, I remember when I was an apprentice and, you know, we used to go to the posh houses in Amsterdam and yeah. Parliament Hill and Primrose Hill. You own them now. Hey? <laughs> you own those posh houses yeah. now, well, Charlie. <laughs> and they used to have a sign-up saying, tradesmen go to the back. And now it's changed. You've got people waiting, begging for you to come in their house and they've got you a cup of tea and they're like, you know, as if you're a long-lost friend. So where they used to send you around the back, it's now like... Wow, I'm so pleased you're here and <laughs> you'll get us out of trouble. So, you know, trades have, have really come into the to to a value now. And I and I think, you know, I've said this for a long time from from school level, they should introduce a government funded apprenticeship scheme. And and, you know, I was speaking to Cameron when he was uh, in number ten and George Osborne, and I think they was going to implement this idea of when you leave a school you have a go to university, got a job, mm. or go on a government-funded apprenticeship uh, scheme, you know, that would solve the skill shortage. It would solve youth unemployment, crime on the street. I mean, it's a no-brainer kind of thing, yeah. and, and it's just unfortunate that nobody hasn't pushed the, 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 the apprenticeship scheme further. Yeah. And I think it's an old-fashioned idea now of going to university. I mean, Blair come up with 50% should go to university. Maybe that's probably 25% now, you know. The demand is just not there for for it. I'm interested that you're bringing up some politicians there because you've got some political ambitions yourself, haven't you, Charlie? You want to run for mayor of London. I, why? Why is the big question? Yeah, well, I mean, I feel that being a, a, a sort of come from London, I live in London, I work in London, I spend all my time in London, I spend all my money in London, I understand London, uh, and I understand what it needs to to get London moving again. I think a businessman would be good as London Mayor. And, um, you know, so I'll be chucking my hat in the ring there. And, um, you know, I feel quite confident of uh, getting a lot of people behind me. You know, the black taxi trade, they need a lot of help of, of you know, being able to move around. And I'm not a lover of the of the bike lanes and, you know, they're empty <laughs> 20 hours a day. And, you know, they've turned two lanes into one. It's just not right. And 
You need to get London moving, not just with traffic, but with with businesses. And, you know, I'd come in with an apprenticeship scheme where all apprentices have free London transport travel because a lot of people can't take a job because the fares are too expensive. You know, so you've got to start looking after uh, youngsters from, from school level and get them in the workplace. And, you know, I have to say, you know, most youngsters are getting trouble. You know, they'll often say, you know, I don't have a job, I've got nothing to do. So... It's so important to to get people into it. I think it's a it's a game changer when when a youngster gets a job. Yeah, and, but, I, and I feel I could. I just feel that understanding that and coming from London, uh, I think it needs someone someone with with a business experience and a common sense approach. But you were talking earlier about you know the importance of experience in in working in, in doing a job. You don't have much experience in the political field. Could you work with the politicians inside City Hall? Do you, I mean, do you have... Yeah, well, because what I'm saying is you don't have much experience well, of that political world of negotiation. Over the years, I've got involved in politics and, um, you know, had many, many debates with many politicians. And, and you know, the difference with many politicians is they haven't run a business. So, you know, uh, I'm one nil up on them. And, yeah, I mean, they've got all the brains in the world, but, you know, you know they don't necessarily understand how a business operates or a lot of people in the real world. And, you know, I think I got quite involved with politics over the years. I just feel that, you know, it needs working class people in politics. That's exactly what it needs. It needs people that understand money and understand what it's like. You know, I'm not a great believer in all these strikes and you need to be able to sit down and negotiate around the table. But it needs more working class people in politics. There's no two ways about that. What did you do when you signed that bit of paper that sold the company. What was what was the net? What, what was the first thing you did? Did you just like sit back in a chair and go, "That's that then"? What 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 do you do in those circumstances? I can't even imagine it. Mm. Well, I mean, you know, this process of selling a business takes quite a while. Yeah. And um, you know, we we attempted to sell it a few years before, and we pulled out of it because it is very very involved. You know, you got people coming to your business telling you you're not doing this right, and you ain't mm. doing that right to get a better deal. And uh, it's very, 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 very difficult. And, you know, if I'm being honest, you know, I had a, a great sort of broker's uh, Cavendish that sold the business for us. And I had members of the family that was attending all the meetings. I think if I attended the meetings, I wouldn't have sold it because I wouldn't have put up with, you know, some of these people, you know, their <laughs> comments and that. And, you know, it's a lot of money. I mean, it was a lot of money. that, And, and obviously that was a governing point to it. We weren't never going to give the business away. And I think... Um, you know, we got a reasonable man, even though now I look back on it, if, if we'd have kept it, it would have been worth a lot more because we was going up, we was just growing and growing. But, yeah, it's, it's difficult. And, and, and then I remember my lawyer ringing me up one morning and, and said, you know, the money's in your account kind of thing. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of sort of believing. And then, you know, you start thinking, oh, you know, bloody hell, I wasn't expecting this. I don't think it's changed my life much. You know, I still... I was driving lovely cars then, Bentleys, Rollers. Couple of Bentleys, yeah. You know, I had the same villas then. I'm going on the same holidays. You know, I have, to, I have to say it. It's been useful to help your family out. It's been useful on charities. You know, I'm quite involved with a, a few charities. And, and um, you know, it's lovely to be able to actually give some money away kind of thing, you know. Yeah. And, and So it's not all about me for the money. I think it's uh, from a successful business. So many people benefit I'll never be a person. I've never been a saver anyhow. And, you know, I don't say I waste money, but, you know, yeah. I certainly spend money and, and enjoy my life. And 
and I say many other people have also benefited from the sale of it. Yeah. You're going to be appearing at the Evening Sands SME Expo on an Ask Me Anything. Do you really want them to ask you anything, Charlie? Look, I've always been very black and white, straightforward, direct. And, uh, you know, people can ask me anything they want and they'll either get the answer that I say or I'll just ignore them kind of thing, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, I've, I've always been pretty direct, blunt, rude, whatever you, they want to put it. But, you know, there's winners and losers out there and... Uh, you know, I'm in the winning side. Well, maybe we can save people a bit of time. Is there one question that you're probably most asked more often than anything else? And what would be the answer to that? Yeah. Uh, the question you always asked is, how did you make Pimlico plumbers that big? How did you go from, like, scaling it up? I mean, that's asked continuously. And, and there's no magic formula. There's, there's no magic in business at all. I mean, it's all about hard work, enthusiasm, drive, being brave, sleepless nights. Um, but but I, I'm asked that a lot. How can you go from 10 people to 200 or 200 to 400? And the, my answer to, to people in business is you need to employ people. And uh, that's the way you grow in a business. It's a double-sided sort of question in a way because the worst thing in business is employing people, but it's also the best thing. And, you know, when you get your head around that, you know, some staff can be, it can be difficult to get the right staff. But in the same token, it's the best way to grow a business, you know. And, and I'll say that to, you know, when people ask me all the time, you know, i am got 10 people on board, I'm running around, I'm doing this, doing that. And they say, you know, Ed, you managed to do it. And it's simple. You learn to delegate, you need to employ people. And... You know, you just make yourself a bigger team and, and, you know, the figures will grow with that if you've got it right kind of thing. But as I say, it's the worst thing in business also because it gets very personal. And yeah. But on saying that, you know, I've learned now there's some great people out there and there's not everybody wants to be a leader. A lot of people are happy to work with you, and especially if you give them incentives. I mean, another great thing I learned in business is incentivize all your workers and um, you'll all be drinking from the same teapot. That was Charlie Mullins. How to be a CEO is back on Monday morning. Hit your follow button so you never miss any of our shows. And we have some great ones coming up. And go to standard.co.uk forward slash business every day for the latest news, interviews and analysis. 